When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name is James Evans, and joining me is my inept co-host. Is that the right word? I think it's the right word. It's Ellie Nunn. <laughs> What's that a reference to? Oh, I knew it. A testament to Neuroni, really. It's the scene where Jessel and her husband Pavit uh, discussing trying to get their little monster children into a really expensive kindergarten. Why would you choose a quote from that? Why, that is the most obscure. Like, so that's what that- we're talking about today. <laughs> what, I'm, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean why would you choose a quote from New Real Housewives of New York. I meant why would you choose that quote? <laughs> because it was a quote that uh, people who were watching the show it had a lot of traction. All right, sorry, okay, scrap that. Let's I'll do it talk again. About- Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name is James Evans, and joining me is my co-host, and I think she's up and coming. I think she has a ways to go, but I think she's pretty up and coming. It's Ellie Nunn. Better. Thank you. Although I love, like, it's so aggressive, the whole intro. (laughs) I'm really on the back foot right now. My hackles are up. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, who watched for once the whole thing quicker than you did? And um, was like, okay, when can we record? I know, honestly. This gal. Mercury's in retrograde or something. You were miles The world ahead is upside down. I was like, watching the last few episodes <laughs> furiously, rolling out of bed and then hitting record today. I've been depressed. Literally, that's <laughs> the only reason why. I've... It really is a marker of my depression. It's like how much or how little Real Housewives I watch. Me too. And yeah. considering <laughs> that I've watched all of New York and I've rewatched all two series of Making a Murderer and I'm now starting Married at First like UK from the start, despite the fact that it's nearly over, I think is pretty indicative of where I'm at. I'm sat here just squeezing my belly fat like it's a stress ball. So that's kind oh, of an indicator of where I'm at. That's so, so, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. so cute. I want to squeeze your belly fat like it's a stress ball. My little poochie. <laughs> I used to name my belly Mr. Bob and I used to make it into like a bagel and go, Mr. Bob. Oh, <laughs> so cute. And then my mum would always to my brother and stuff be like, look at his Mr. Bob. And I was like, no, everyone doesn't have a Mr. Bob. He can name it his own thing. Mine is called <laughs> yes, Mr. Bob. It's very personal what you name your pooch. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Uh, good. Two things playing on my mind. One, that I was really disappointed listening back to our DC episode in my impression of Kat or Annabelle as she's <laughs> 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 close <Just> friends. <laughs> 
<laughs> just before we hit record, Ellie was like, I don't know what was going on, but my impression of Annabelle was way off last episode. I was like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Par for the course for Ellie, but I was like, who? I was trying to make the connection. You don't know that, but that's like <laughs> her close friends call her Annabelle. Right. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It was one of those weird things where when we were recording, I thought I was doing the better impression. And I thought... Mm. I thought yours was a little OTD. Okay, well. And listening back, I was like, I don't sound, I barely sound like I'm doing a voice. I thought I was doing such a heavy-handed impression. And yours is amazing. And I can't believe how much it didn't translate. I feel like I was doing the screen acting version. You know, I mean, I'm hesitant to say this because you are the one who always gets compliments in all our DMs and reviews about your impressions. <laughs> but because Macy once called me an impressionist, I'm clinging on to this until the day I die. But... If you were to ask me, the James Evans School of Impressions involves not necessarily hitting for verisimilitude or any kind of nuance or naturalism, but just pick, making a big, bold choice, no matter how You're wrong so right. it may be, and just sticking to it doggedly. You're so right. And that is what makes you the absolute king of like Dana and... <laughs> I could go on. Luan and and Kat. Yeah. And I'm really Thank disappointed you. in my own. Luan and Kat are basically one in the same as well. Like one's American and one's English. Sure. So Dana and a husky voice. Are you not going to jump in with... With what? The compliment that Michael gave me. Or are you just going to keep that to yourself because it no, okay. harms your cause? This is actually helpful. Two birds, one stone. Because Michael, my husband, said, can you like mention me more on the podcast? I kind of <laughs> like it. <laughs> and... You would also like this mention as well. But I said to Ellie the other day, Michael messaged me listening to the DC episode and he stopped in his tracks how eerily good your impression of Mikhail Salahi was. And actually, in the same vein, in the moment, I didn't really notice either way, Ellie, if I'm being honest. But then listening back, I was like, wow, really good, Mikhail. <laughs> this is really passive aggressive from both of us from the start <laughs> today. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, sitting opposite you, didn't think I much of it. It was kind of shit, um, <laughs> but it was less shit listening back in retrograde. So well, in that passive... <laughs> okay, Camille. It's <laughs> mm, uh, yeah. very Machiavellian. <laughs> mm, um, mm. In that passive aggressive vein, I cheated on you this week. <gasps> <gasps> Excuse me? <laughs> That's right. I podcast cheated on you. How dare you? How dare you? Beast. In what way? You're a guest? or you, Have you started a new podcast? <laughs> I'm, I'm hosting. I've started a new Real Housewives podcast <laughs> by myself. I bloody you. Um, yeah. Because to be honest, you were really, you're never prepared. You don't do any of the editing I'm the dead, or the work. Right. Yeah, sure. You're the dead weight. I'm a real drain podcast. here. Yeah. <laughs> you're always cancelling because you don't feel well and you've got the shits. Always getting cancelled because I'm talking about Lyme. <laughs> Oh, that just reminded me. Yeah. Kim has been getting his eyes dilated today, like yours. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Welcome to the club. <laughs> it's fun, right? You fun <laughs> cool little guy, got pupil a dilation. <laughs> <laughs> cool guy, got a table. Table. Um, anyway, I podcast cheated on you because this week I was a guest on the 54 Below podcast. Oh, that's exciting. Which I had to record very late at night in order yeah. for it to be US time. And I had the most delightful chat with Macon, who is the host, and straight off the bat was chatting to him about Real Housewives. And we were agreeing that we could have talked about Housewives for hours. And I'm so glad that my quite deadpan bit that I did about the honour it was to perform at 54 Below 
being the sort of birthplace of Luanda Lesseps's cabaret oh, career. I'm yeah. so glad it landed. Oh, great. I'm because there's another moment on the podcast where he was asking me how I was preparing for a New York audience. And I said, what I thought was really funny about how I was preparing for there to be no one there. And there was just like silence. I don't think he quite heard. I think, he, I think because I was sounding serious, I think he thought I was saying something serious. And I had to do that awful thing where you just kind of go, um, no, but seriously. And just- yeah. <laughs> He, we, d- we didn't have like the same. I know, because it's happened with you occasionally. You've got to be very quick to keep up with I don't become, yeah. And my searing wit. <laughs> We've had to work for years on James's silent response to my jokes, where I'm like slapping my thigh and snorting at everything. Ellie's a says. very good audience member. I'm sorry, I have a silent wheezy laugh that sometimes doesn't register. Wheeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so. Anyway, like um, so. Okay, a couple of um, questions though. Did you sell our podcast Whilst you I, had this audience enraptured in your dulcet tones. Okay, this isn't filling me with confidence. You're looking very pensive out of the window right now. I definitely spoke to Macon about the podcast, but I can't remember if that was when we were recording. <sighs> All right, okay. So Someone needs a bit of media training, I see. <laughs> They're going on the road. No one's inviting me on any podcast anytime soon. Uh, huh. Okay. Um, oh. So I'm going to repay the favor and say, basically, for those of you who don't know, Ellie was a guest on the 54 Below podcast because she very excitingly is going to be doing a one-woman show at 54 Below this November in New York City. What's the date? The 28th of November. I actually can't believe it. It's weird. I It was only when on that podcast he was like, how do you feel about making your like New York City debut? I suddenly was like, this is so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly it's like, this is it's a really good, big yeah. deal. Yeah, it is. And um, at the moment, there's like 10 tickets sold because I don't know anyone in New York. Uh-huh. So it'll be intimate. Now, do I have to pay for my ticket? I don't know. We'll see. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm so excited. I hope that when I go, I'm going to get the Ramona treatment. I'm going to duck in, take a photo, and then leave for ages, and then come back. Barge I thought through. you were going to give me the Sonia Morgan treatment and get up on stage and have a wardrobe malfunction halfway through my show. I will apps Ellie, if you need, but say the word, I will come up on stage and slur my way through ladies who lunch and show my beaver to everyone. If Just say, and I will do. Or you could just heckle from the audience, a la Dorinda. Or do that thing. What was the conceit they were going to plan where you're going to tell a story out of your little diary, your bejeweled furry diary. And then you'd be like, that's not how it happened. (laughs) And everyone would be like, woo! (laughs) Except they won't, because there'll be like 20 random tourists who've walked in and been given a ticket, and everyone would just be like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, I'm giddy at the thought of it. We're going to have so much fun. We always have the best time! I... I'm genuinely so excited. Obviously, this means I'm coming back to New York. I won't be doing my show via Zoom at 54 Below. I suggested it. They said no. I wanted to do it from bed. But yes, it means that for a giddy week in November, we'll be Thanksgiving dinnering. I'll be buying too many pumpkin pies. We'll be at Finkel's. No, Ellie, we'll be- I wanted to say, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving. I'm in Chicago for Thanksgiving. I'll be back for the show. Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do on Thanksgiving on my own in New York? You can do a carry. You can sit up at the singles bar. By the Guggenheim. I hate this already. I need more friends in New York. Mm, I just need more friends. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, 54 Below, it's going to be a treat. 
And me and Macon had great fun casting Real Housewives as Sondheim roles. That was a blast. Oh my God. Okay, I must listen. So what's the name of the podcast? The 54 Below podcast? I guess, yeah. Okay. <laughs> get back to that okay, media Ellie, training. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> on that note, shall we get on with our show today? Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm so pissed off because yeah. I just wanted to hate it so much. And to be honest, I do. there's a lot about it that I do think is rubbish. But mm. I hated that I did get quite swept up and that I now am feeling the lack of it. Oh, I jumped straight into New York. You wanted to talk about Beverly Hills, didn't you? No, we can jump straight into New York. It's fine. Okay. I was trying for a second to work out which one you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about New York. Yeah, I'm just, it's such a different beast. And I really, from the second it started, I really felt, um, I found it really difficult, the lack of history. And obviously Real Housewives of mm -hmm. New York, of all of them, has been going for so long. There's just so much history between the women. And especially... <laughs> mosquito i'm sorry oh i missed it but sorry as you were this so sorry. Much i'm sorry ellie i'm sorry i'm back so on track much, now i'm listening so much history between the women on the show and to mm -hmm. start completely fresh with none of those ogs you just got that real sense of when these shows don't have a starting place it means that you're going to be stuck with just the worst drama for the first half of a season because they're scraping the barrel mm. and also i just really missed the kind of faded bell quality that yeah. new york had everyone felt very like shiny and younger and new and it felt like a kind of whole team of carol radsville's and bethany's um but i also hated that i found it quite aspirational and that i'm just obsessed with jenna lyons I mean, in retrospect, I was surprised when you messaged me saying I'm obsessed with Jenna Lyons, basically in all capitals. But actually, I think it does kind of track because you are such a New York gal. You're such an East Coaster. So if we are going to have aspiration on these shows, it would be a New York iteration of it. She is like the epitome of what I would like to grow up to be. Yeah. And I think just as like a broader thing, the mandate was clearly we're going to move away from a very waspy, old, faded bell, as you say, Upper East Sider look of New York City. And we're going to go really diverse and aspirational and young and sexy and fun. And in that sense, it was a complete success. I think the problem with that is that it then meant that the show's hands were kind of tied because there was almost like a slight smugness of we did it we're celebrating women and it then meant that 
the producers and the other women weren't free to poke fun at each other or be Mm -hmm. derisive or irreverent. And it then, I think, had a very negative effect on the plot of the show moving forward. So I'm sure we'll talk about it, but like the insane episodes of just trauma dumping in the group that was just so... Oh my God. Narratively unsatisfying, completely untelegenic, lacking that wry piss takery where if Ramona... If, you know, if Ramona was there talking about her abusive father, like she gets one instance of grace in the whole time she was on the show. And then every other time they just it's laugh like, oh. in the face. Yeah, you know. <laughs> because she uses it at such funny times. Like that's the other thing is that it's it's not just the show poking fun at it. It is hilarious to watch Ramona blame, you know, throwing a glass in Kristen's face or whatever to be like, I had a very abusive childhood. she's at the Berkshires and there's no air conditioning and she wants to go to a party in the Hamptons so she's going to be like of course when I was in this forest and we had to do and it's making me very sad so I gotta go but also there's a real lack of self-awareness from the women in this trauma dumping this whole storyline with Jessel of going oh she's trying to compete with how bad I most people I know including the old uh, housewives of New York Mm. when faced with someone saying, I went through da-da-da-da, I'm not comparing it to you, mm-hmm. would go... Think about someone like Bethany would be like, oh, it's fine. I had a particularly traumatic childhood. I don't expect other people to yeah. have that. Mm-hmm. So this idea of only you're only allowed to like go... The way Sai constantly is like, I would have loved to have had $20 in my bank account. I would have... Right. Li- like most people would just be like, oh, it's fine. Mine was a particularly bad situation. Right. There, I think people only take it as a comparison who are also kind of overcompensating. Yeah, there were moments in the show when it did teeter over into comedy and I really appreciated it. And Sai delivered it in spades. So like an, another instance with the trauma dumping of Jenna very organically talking about her mother who had Asperger's syndrome. And then immediately off of that side being like, well, my alcoholic mother died. And it's like, cool, (laughs) you win. The mum competition, great. And I think with the thing with Jessel, it's kind of like Sutton last season, wasn't it? Where I think she got a lot of flack from Diana when she was talking about her miscarriage and then Sutton saying that she had a miscarriage as well. Where I think any take is kind of legitimate and it's about how much grace you give that person. But but that's it. It's entirely about grace. And I think it's just so clear that Jessel wants to connect. Right. And Jenna puts it very well when she's like, I recognize that you try and see how you can connect with someone and you share more the more disconnected you feel. Yeah. And I thought Jenna was so bang on with that. That sense of Jessel keeps trying to over explain herself by being like, maybe if you know more about me, maybe if you know more about my family. Yeah. Or if you know more about the situation, it will make sense. And that's then held against her as comparison or trying to share other people's story. And also it doesn't really make sense because their complaint has just been not knowing anything about her. And then the more she shares, the more annoyed they seem to get. I really didn't think that they had much of a pot to piss in with that storyline. And I thought that Sai and Erin came out on the wrong side for that argument. I felt personally quite triggered with the whole trauma talk as well, because it felt like being at drama school where you're like, we need to see you be vulnerable and honest. And what they mean is we need you to tell us a really traumatic story that happened to you that will leave you like a pool of tears on the floor. As if that's the only currency with which you can show emotion. A hundred percent. And it's such a narrow, obvious side of that. And the fact is some of us just don't have those stories to tell. It really bugs me. It's like when people think good acting is crying or is being heartbreaking, where it's like there is so much intelligence 
it's why I could talk for hours about comedy and I won't because it would be very boring, but the intelligence needed to make truly witty choices that a human would make that covered, that suppress emotion and things like that. The skill that that takes and the misunderstanding often that great acting is just sobbing. Yeah. I think as well, the trauma bonding was a real microcosmic example of some of the flaws of Neuroni in that I felt like often the women were telling us rather than showing us as well. In this, basically what you were just saying, that on the one hand, I know these women quite well because I know all about their traumatic backstories and their hard upbringings. But also I feel like I don't know Bryn at all. I don't know what her apartment looks like. I don't know what her job is. So true. All I know is about her like collecting vintage books, which I don't buy for a second. It's so annoying. I think she has the most tedious shtick I've ever seen on The Real Housewives, which is saying something. Brynn, I think, ranks at the bottom of all of the housewives, I think, is the worst of them. I found her completely insufferable to watch from beginning to end. Right. First of all, she has no nakedity whatsoever. So the whole, she talks about sex the way a 12-year-old would. Inevitably, you're going to make comparisons to Sonia, and inevitably, Brynn's going to pale in comparison, in part because Sonia does her shtick And she has this faded Blanche Dubois thing going on where there's inherently some tragedy and there's just like a very textured backstory to her. She's a very full, rich character, even though she talks a load of crap and she lies a lot. You can see through the cracks in her veneer and see this deep well of sadness underneath her. The problem with Bryn is if you're a sexy 30-year-old playing sexy 30-year-old and everything's an innuendo and like, oh, boys, everybody, it's a, it's a hand job. <laughs> can I ride you? <laughs> Jenna, you're hot. <laughs> it's like if you're a hot 30-year-old playing a hot 30-year-old, it just is what it is. And yeah. There's no tragedy to it. Even though she has a tragic backstory, she's still this young, hot thing, but she She's missing that key ingredient of delusion. Absolutely, yeah. And I feel like on the point about her collecting books and playing chess, it's like you can't have it both ways where you act like a sexy idiot, but then insist that you're really smart. For what it's worth, I think that Bryn is very intelligent. She may be one of the most intelligent people on the cast, but she's insisting on proving that she's intelligent because she's also dumbing herself down. It's like a problem of her own making. Yeah, yeah. And also, quite frankly, she's shit at chess. Like, we see that one clip of her playing chess. Like, she clearly doesn't know how to work the machine. It's like the most, like, obvious. It's just all wrong and it's a lie. And as well, if we look at, you know, the vowel renewal when she's flirting with Erin's husband. Yeah. You can't then build your persona on being this cheeky little sex pot who turns everything into an innuendo and then suddenly clutch your pearls if someone accuses you of flirting with their husband. It's like, I'm sorry, Brim was objectively flirting with Erin's husband. I don't think Erin was yeah. saying that she's going to like fuck him there and then. Although that really pissed me off as well because her husband was absolutely bantering back and laughing and when Completely. he relayed it as being like yeah I was quite uncomfortable I was like bollocks yeah no part of you thought that she was actually flirting it's fair enough to yeah. be like maybe inappropriate to make that joke at a vow renewal but any implication of like she was hitting on me or saying that and I felt quite uncomfortable was ridiculous I think it's a sign that he is such a henpecked husband Erin is the most stank humorless person in a way that I love because she aligns exactly with my persona on one of these shows I feel like I would come across exactly the same way. No, you're um, warmer than that. Got, she has a very Heather Dubro reaction to the whole thing, which I find very funny. But I think, I guess just completing my point you, with Brynn, you can't spend 99% of your time doing Sonia Morgan drag and then be like, how 
dare you accuse me of breaking up a family? I would never do that. It's yeah. like, again, if it was Sonia, she doubled down or like offered to have a threesome with them. But this is what I mean about them. But they were scraping the barrel on all of these things in terms of, don't even get me started on the whole like cheese thing at the beginning, which obviously was just so pathetic that I struggled to watch the first episode. But even a few episodes in, talking about Jenna leaving the house mm-hmm. because of them being loud and going to a meeting, coming back and them trying to turn that into like, this insulting you don't leave someone's house right i found drama like that so irritating and don't get me wrong in some ways jenna's like terrible at the show because all of those things rather than picking up the cue and turning it into a drama she just had a very naturalistic realistic apology of going like not at all i didn't want to spoil your fun and i like lived 10 minutes down the road and then i was coming back right i you're just it's just makes the show look so stupid because you're like yeah there's no problem there. So then when you have like a Bryn turn up being like, hang on, she's immediately allowed off the hook for leaving someone's house when you bought monogram pajamas for them? No, 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 whatever. Where you're just like, yeah. this is pathetic. It's hard, isn't it? Because the whole point of the show is that there needs to be drama. But then some of the drama that was played out was so piss poor that you're like, it's actually unworthy. I'd actually, in a way, rather have nothing. But I guess it goes back to having really strong, compelling personalities. You need the personalities, but also I get it. They need time and they need seasons to build up history. And that's what I was saying at the beginning is at the moment, they just have nothing to go on. So everything was just having to be brewed into a pretty pathetic drama. But of course, as time goes on, they will develop feuds and long-running things or stuff that happens off camera and and I'm sure it will get better I don't think that they have strong enough players in terms of I love Jenna because I find her genuinely aspirational and like I genuinely like her and want to spend time Mm -hmm. with her and I love seeing what she wears I love her input in some ways I just find her very intelligent and articulate does that make her a good housewife no not at all she's like a non-boring Carol Radzival in terms of well, no, she's like season one, Carol, mm-hmm. except like nicer. Carol seems to at least enjoy, she's, she treats the whole thing like she's on safari and finds it genuinely amusing. Whereas I think that Jenna, like she just clearly hates filming, hates being on the show, hates yeah. talking about her personal life. <laughs> and I get it. I really find Jenna's her- just exactly how I would be on the show. <laughs> I find her life, I agree with you, very aspirational. It's very enchanting, but it's a bit like her outfits where it's like you can kind of easily crack the code of who she is very quickly and it's the same thing. She's never going to change. I know, but she's just exactly how I would be in terms of she wants to be there for people. She wants to listen to people's problems. She just doesn't want any drama. And that's exactly how I'd be that I'd want to like sit one-on-one and listen to someone's problem and advise and do the nice things. Yeah. Like I say, she's a terrible housewife, but that wouldn't matter if you, if you balance it out with stronger players. Yeah. Also, I genuinely just loved all the scenes of her with her son so much. I think Mm -hmm. I found it some of the most engaging and like heartwarming parent child scenes of Real Housewives with, I just thought it was gorgeous. God, I'm so jealous of him. God, I want to be him. Oh. Oh my God, so much. And then Uber is a great player and I love her and I think she's the closest thing to like what the show needs. It's interesting though because she was such a slow burn where for the first such two thirds she was giving me like flop friend of energy and then suddenly this breakup performance in, in Anguilla where she reveals herself a complete lunatic. Loved it. Even all the way through to I just watched the first part of the reunion or out of the gate she's like let's talk about how Jenna's a piece of shit and none of you wanted her on I the show. I loved it. So my it's but my favorite thing about it about the reunion <laughs> is she 
bolts out. She has no sense of how a reunion works and the way that, like you say, she just keeps interrupting things and being like, let's talk about how different Jenna was off the show. And then what's great is later in it, when someone's like, we just want to see you celebrate her wins. And she's like, that's what I meant. (laughs) and it turns out that she likes jenna and it turns out that she wasn't saying let's talk about how jenna's a piece of shit she was like oh no i just meant jenna isn't confident on the show (laughs) she should be and i just love that i love how unpredictable she is and what i like about that with uber is that it doesn't feel contrived and like a heavy-handed where you can see i find someone like erin you can just see exactly what they're trying to do for the show or the role they're trying to fill. And Uber's just a complete loose cannon. And I like that there's no sense of what will annoy her, who she's close with and who she's not, yeah. whether she'll make up. I just, and she manages to be very funny. Even like once Sai had kind of turned on Jessel, it was very hard to stay likable where mm. Uber somehow managed through that whole like batshit Angrilla thing to stay very funny. Yeah, I think she'll be a really valuable player going forward because inevitably with all of these shows, it can get into a tedium where people make alliances and they join sides and people can really stick to those dynamics in a way that is quite stale. So having such a loose cannon in the form Absolutely. of Uber, who is good comedic value, who has a very clear set of values that she really believes in, but it's also not quite clear to the audience what those set of values are ever going to be. You never know what's going to piss her off. Is actually going to be quite exciting watching her going forward I just remember like the first few episodes when they went out for dinner in the Hamptons and she was like I need to get my phone out and sit wherever's facing north I was like I don't think you do that normally I think you're doing that for the show or when she goes into the kitchen and she steals the coconut milk I'm like yeah very very annoying right now yeah I agree and she's like this is the best coconut milk it's like it's just regular coconut milk like I don't (laughs) yeah 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 Pipe down. No, I I totally agree. But also, yeah, very funny. And I'm still obsessed with the beginning of the reunion, those texts, which we still don't understand, where it's like, <laughs> do not get in the way of my conversation with Karen. And Jenna's like, who's Karen? Karen! But then also starting and kind of just being really lovely to Erin the whole way through. So it's like, is she, has she forgotten? And she- also just immediately being like, can I just say that I really love all of these women so much? <laughs> and you're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> She's kind of an absolute menace. I say completely yes. as a compliment. Kind of low-key, quite terrifying. Yeah, you never know where you are with her. Love um, it. In a way that is uh, very exciting. Shall we talk a bit about that whole phone business in Anguilla? Just because it's like the one explosive thing that happened in the whole show. I think it was an interesting one because it was like a bonkers blowout, which in some way is what you want from the show. But I do prefer the simmering For me, the highlight of the season, even though it was quite a weak argument, but when they had that Christmas dinner in the tacky restaurant that was just so up my street, I was like, it just made me so excited to come to New York. Yeah. And to see you and to, it's like my favorite time of year and everything about that dinner, the argument that happened, but also the gift giving, it was everything I want from Real Housewives. And I was like, I'm so happy. This is exactly the kind of scene. There's stuff I want. There's stuff I don't want. It's like the perfect blend. Whereas the Anguilla fight, they're kind of good when those things happen. But also, you know, they don't stick for long. They're just like a short term explosion where everything will be very chaotic for a bit. And then Mm -hmm. it will move on like it never happened. Like two people will cry and be like, I really love you. And it will move on. But it was. Yeah, but it was great. It did exactly, you know, what it needed to were you invested in either side or? For some reason, I was on Uber's side. I just find Erin. Uh, <laughs> I love Erin so much. I just find her <laughs> cold and like, I just really hated. I find her way of doing the show, like 
going to everyone and telling them about Jenna saying she didn't want to fly first class. The clever way to do that would have been to tell them in a funny way. Yeah, you got to cover your bases a bit. Oh, she said the funniest thing and then wait for them to get pissed. And then there's a talking head of you going, oh, whoops. You don't sit there and go, I want to make sure that Jenna's not coming. She said yeah. this thing and take it so out of its context and make it a negative. It just reflected badly back on her. And I don't know. I just think Erin's the kind of person who would annoy me. I don't like not knowing where you stand. And I don't like or not knowing where I stand with someone. There's like a slight meanness to Erin. Oh, completely. Yeah. And I don't love it. I think what I appreciate about her is that she occupies a trope that is classic housewives that scratches my nostalgic itch which is someone who is so convinced that she presents as one thing, but actually the world sees her as a completely different thing, where she Mm -hmm. thinks she's this cool, down-to-earth New Yorker, like, tell it like it is, when actually she's really stodgy and self-serious and actually very sensitive and humorless. And I have a soft spot for her because she's definitely, she's picked up the mantle from Countess Luan of the really boring enforcer of the status quo that, keeps getting clowned by the other people. Yeah, maybe that's why I don't like She's it. a really obvious, easy target for tomfoolery. And I think that's like one thing I like about Erin is that she's so <laughs> and humorless that any attempts at humor are going to flop so hard. Like her, <laughs> that weird joke she made about wanting to sleep with a gay guy that oh, yeah. like just didn't land at all. And then just the whole thing with the phone where she gets pushed into a pool and just... I just love the idea of her introducing her humorless brand of energy to the concept of pranking and be like, oh, 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 I got her now. Yeah, my whole thing is I love to prank. I'm a jokester. Okay, Erin, I see you. I'm going to steal someone's phone and keep it. I absolutely (laughs) did. I'm convinced she was going to keep that phone as long as she needed to. I don't think she was going to keep it for 45 minutes and then give it back to Uber. (laughs) I also thought it was interesting that they made a point about how boring Erin is in Anguilla when they shared embarrassing stories. And Erin's story was, uh, one time my son cried on an airplane and I was really embarrassed. And it was like, cool, that is funny that that was all you brought to the table. But the setup of it necessitated all of them sharing their embarrassing stories. And frankly, none of them were that funny or embarrassing. And like the contrast just wasn't there enough to necessitate it. Like Ubers was like, she had a bit of toilet paper stuck to her shoe. And it's like, I feel like that's (laughs) happened to all of us. Cool. I know. God, they should have chucked you and I in there. <laughs> or like, Honestly, like... One of my many friends who have fecal impact story. Exactly. If, I'm like, if you I had a know pound, nothing. Yeah, let me tell you. Like, honestly, Ramona, like, shits herself on camera. And it's just like a, like, yeah, on a, they need to a step yearly up. basis. And I think that's one of the reasons why I found New Roni a bit of a frustrating experience. Because I genuinely thought it was fine TV viewing. And I committed to it. And I watched mm. the whole thing. I think it worked for me in a binging sense. I don't know if I could have committed to checking in every week and remembering to keep up with the ladies. Because there wasn't enough drama to eke out. You're right. I don't know if I could either. Yeah. But I committed to it and enjoyed it. And then suddenly something would happen where I would think, oh God, if Sonia was here right now, she'd like get on her goddamn knees and suck that guy off or something. I don't know. And you're like, (laughs) oh God damn it. If Ramona was here, she'd shit herself. Oh God, that would really lighten the scene. God, that's really what this scene. God damn it. If Dorinda was here, she'd threaten to stab someone. I'd love it if they just, if they just kept one of them, like just Luanne and all these women. Just throwing Dorinda in that group of women and just terrorizing them in Bluestone Manor would have been so fucking funny. So good. And I think partly the personalities are so much more muted yeah, And I think that means that you have to engage with the content of the discussions a lot more. Because on another show with another cast, 
I wouldn't have bothered talking about hiding the phone, but I feel like because they're all relatively normal seeming people, Mm -hmm. it's much easier to relate to them and the problems seem much more real world. So I don't think I've ever like properly sat down and dissected an argument on old Roni just because they're all such cartoon characters who are so ridiculous. That's kind of not the point. It's not like whose side are you on? You'll just, you sit back and watch the whole show unfold and just laugh at at the mania of all of it. But here, it kind of feels a bit like with Scandival, where everyone involved, it was such a normal seeming trope where like, we relate to one person, and then Tom Sandoval is not some cartoon villain. He's like every ex-boyfriend that we've had. You know, it's very easy to kind of project your own experience onto Mm. those casts. And it also means because they're all relatively normal, we've sort of found the show elevating Jessel to this status of cartoon character where I really enjoyed her but they were kind of making out that she was the second coming of Ramona and she was this really rude put her foot in her mouth no filter person it's like I don't think like she's a bit weird and awkward I think if anything she was a bit of an Alex McCord I just thought she was awkward and a bit great she was absolutely an Alex McCord yeah a hundred percent two things first of all what you're saying about the show being more muted it just feels like constantly things like when Bryn would be like I'm not gonna come for dinner tonight and it's not because I'm upset like I'm genuinely just tired and I need a night in and then they're like okay and I was like what show is this? I was like, you I don't know. get it. If you're tired, you have to go out and you have to have a big argument. Honestly. And it's the same with when Jessel's husband said Sai was bipolar. I was like, here we go. Now we get to jump on that. And that will be the big thing. And the fact that Bryn brought it up, but was like, but you immediately apologized for it. And then no one was annoyed about it. And I just thought this feels very modern it feels like it's trying to abate the twitter following real housewives shows who are like i don't want to see toxic people it's like everyone handling Mm -hmm. it in kind of real world ways i'm like what that's not the point of the shows yeah it's a symptom of i guess it being the very first cast where the majority are millennials that's never really happened before and two things i think it affects how they treat emotion on the show where previously on other casts with a millennial say crystal when crystal's very open and honest about her feelings yeah it's played as kind of like this weird alien thing and they never really take it seriously or i'm thinking someone like candace on potomac whenever she cries it's played for comedy the key is that there's a weird cultural butting of heads between the younger cast members and the older cast members and then when the older ones display emotion i'm just thinking about erica and this most recent episode of beverly hills it's so camp and so ridiculous and over the top and even though she has her like hugging moment in the scene we then get a talking head from garcelle who's kind of a bit wary about the whole thing like Uh we don't fully commit to the bit Whereas here, there's not that juxtaposition on this show. The show has no option but to play it really sincerely, which means we get it's these so episodes sincere. where they're just like braiding each other's hair, crying. That whole first reunion, I hate it. It was just like an hour of them crying over different forms of trauma that would not fly on any other show and with good reason. So that's one thing. I think also because they're younger, they're savvier, they're more social media conscious. They're so self-aware, absolutely. And you feel them censoring themselves mm-hmm. in real time. So with the business with Erin and Uber, you felt that explicitly or implicitly, they were aware of the optics and they had that discussion of the angry black woman trope and how that looks. They were very aware of it from the get-go in the moment. The same thing when Pavit makes 
the crack about bipolar, they were all very quick to shut that shit down and then Pavit immediately retracted it. Exactly. Which is a great way of going through life. Yes, but it, is it what we want from a reality show? And also, like you were saying about Jessel, painting her as the new Ramona when, like you said, the most we can get is the kind of... What was so great about Alex McCord was how self-conscious she was that she was on a television show. And mm-hmm. Jessel is so self-conscious, but they all are. Jessel's just particularly uncool and seems a bit giddy about being on the show exactly like Alex McCord was. And I think that's why everyone was so triggered by Jessel is that they're actually all really insecure losers who have this veneer of like tough New York chick, but Jessel just doesn't hide it as well as the other women. So it really bothers them. She's the only one who committed to a bit of actually telling us something about her personal life. I love the idea that she thought that a national TV show was the best way of showcasing that she's going through a dry patch in her marriage. Nice low pressure way of dealing with that. What a mistake. But I thought it was a really good answer that she gave in the reunion where she was like, this is a show about sharing our lives and you caught me at this particular time. I was postpartum. No, I love that she did that, but just such a mistake that the the women's response to the whole thing and the shaming of it and the pressure... I just thought it was terrible. And when they were all saying, oh, I don't believe that they slept together, whatever, I just thought, actually, for how sincere the series was, there was very little, like, compassionate understanding that it's a, like, really hard time to go through post-having yeah. kids. And that she's just shared that on, like, a national TV show. At least, God, it was a fresh change from that whole thing of, like, because Rick and I like to fuck. Well, but even Erin, that thing, I did find, I found it really false when the other women or when someone like Erin was a bit like my god I, I couldn't do that like my husband has to have sex with me every day and I'm just like I don't believe that after 10 years I don't believe you don't believe you don't believe that you just gave him a blowjob I believe that Jessel <laughs> and Baba aren't having sex <laughs> completely yes but yeah I don't believe the others so mm-hmm. can we talk a bit about Bryn and Jenna that whole like 11th hour Jenna's kind of hard thing I found so annoying so I mean I guess it's part of the little sex pot Holly Golightly shtick that she has going on but it just feels like such an old tired trope of a straight person who feels like they have the right to flirt with a queer person slightly like fetishizing yes Yeah. yeah absolutely no one believes you you don't fancy her this is a waste of everyone's time just stop which you kind of get because jenna keeps being like Bryn is so straight and yeah i think what's interesting about her doing it to jenna is she's not doing it to someone who is also sticky and part of their whole thing is being like super sexual and super opening there are times where it felt genuinely uncomfortable because it felt almost like baiting the vulnerable girl at school who's just found completely her queer yeah. identity and almost enjoying teasing that they must clearly fancy you. And yeah, especially bearing in mind Jenna's older as well. It just felt you could take off the like cutesy music and actually there was, it's like a bit dark. Yeah, it was a bit, because it was done in a way where there was no active participation expected from Jenna. Like Bryn went into it with the idea that Jenna has no agency and she has to sit. It's like she was getting a lap dance and, and Jenna's job was to just sit there and kind of look a bit squeamish and embarrassed by the whole thing. That's kind of how it felt to me. And it's yeah. just so... It just reminded me of Brandy and Carlton, where it's like, Brandy, I don't believe that you fancy Carlton for a second. She's gross and scary. Just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Gross and scary. I'm sorry. Um, Um, Yes. So would you, will you keep watching Real New York? 
Probably. I mean, I'm a completist. I'm not a binger, but I'm a completist. Yeah, me too. For the sake of, I was really yeah. sad when I watched a bit of Crappy Lake and I was like, I can't believe that they're just like pawning these two off for something as shit as this. It's just making such a mockery of... I think that's what really gets me. And I felt emotionally I was on a bit of a roller coaster where I would enjoy it for a bit then I'd remember old Roni then I critique new Roni and then I think no that's not fair we shouldn't be comparing them but then I'm like well we should be because Bravo decided we should. To- I kept forgetting that it was new Real Housewives of New York I kept thinking of it as a new franchise yeah and as a new franchise it's something else but I kind of can't believe that that's our beloved Real Housewives of New York we've spoken about it before in the Roni Requiem I think this is clearly just the beast of time goes in this direction where we slowly strip away any kind of character or edginess for fear of effect oh god I sound like such a boomer like obviously I don't want people to be a big racist on the show but like I said before I think there's a happy <laughs> medium between the two I think the show is built on the back of clueless women who have no filter who don't know how they come across I was about to say there was an authenticity to the lack of filter that meant that you don't have to like their decisions you don't have to agree with what they're saying mm-hmm. but it wasn't it a more interesting slice of humanity to actually get the opportunity to see the Vicky Gumbelsons and to see these people who exist mm-hmm. than to see a kind of curated slice of slight echo chambery people who reflect our own views and opinions and it just weirdly makes it all so much more performative and less entertaining. There's no abating the fan base because, of course, inevitably, as soon as the show is up and running, people find out that Erin donated to Trump's Stop the Steal campaign and then people won Erin fired. And it's like, cool. Like, what did I you expect? Ask, how, like, how was it received? Because I obviously didn't do any research. From what I've gleaned, I think it was really divisive. And I think that it was really divisive in a prejudiced way either way. People were either determined to love it because they were disgusted with the antics of the last season of Real Housewives and they feel that the likes of Ramona and Luan no longer have a place on TV, fine and valid. And then people mm-hmm. who were determined to hate it because they couldn't believe that the baby was thrown out with the bathwater and then this is what we're getting. And it's kind of ironic because for a show that has elicited such extreme opinions, it's actually very bland and middle of the road and fine. It's so bland. And I was really surprised because someone I know had written to me about asking if I was watching it and saying, oh my God, there's this one woman who's just like awful on it. So I was like, oh, okay. And I got to the end and I was like, who? Who? And it, in, in the end, they were talking about Sai. And I just thought, have you, I was like, you so clearly haven't watched old Real Housewives because it's so interesting people could have such strong opinions on such a bland season. Yeah. And be like, whoa, these huge personalities. And you and I are both like, oh. I think it is interesting when you're a kind of a seasoned viewer. And for the most part, I watch these shows as a solitary experience. But actually, when I was doing a job recently, I watched the first two episodes with someone who I was working with who'd never seen Housewives before. And I was like, okay, we'll get into this together. This will be fun. It was fascinating watching it with someone who was going in blind and how susceptible they were to the editing. So any lame joke in a talking head that had the like zing sound effects she was like oh god oh no she didn't oh and i was kind of like oh god just <laughs> get out of here <laughs> i'm going to, i'm going back to my hovel to watch by myself but i <laughs> think size <laughs> size kind of like a case in point in that where it's like sure i guess you can get really aggravated by her and hate her but as someone who's watched this for a long time i see sai as like a kim g who suddenly found herself as a 
main cast member. Sai, if she was demoted to friend of and she would just had like little 10 minute cameos in the background of the party where she was like trying to get involved and saying, God, I hope there's food here because I love food. <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. That works. I think that's how I view Sai. I just ke- I kept watching it thinking, I can't believe it was only a couple of seasons ago that we had Leah pulling that octopus off of the giant seafood plate and being like shots fired yeah yeah (laughs) i am like couldn't they have found a load of leah like i'm like so they were able to find young bonkers i loved leah and Mm -hmm. she i mean she was so mad but her like chucking those tiki torches naked and all of that stuff i feel like there could have been one of a Leah in that they could have been they could have had some of these bland personalities and just thrown a couple of like complete rockets yeah or people because also they all seem very affluent mm-hmm. there's no sense that some people I mean I know Leah's affluent as well but at least she was like a, a lower Manhattan she was like cooler or at least if you're affluent I want you to be affluent in like a Dorit and PK way like one of you better be stealing money from old people or like not paying their bills or something and I hope it blows up in the next season speaking of Dorit and PK before we wrap up for today should we talk about New Beverly Hills yeah I don't know about you I mean it, it has some big shoes to fill from the last couple of seasons but actually I thought structurally at least it was a pretty solid premiere mm-hmm. I really appreciated them doing the inverse of the usual template where they opened with this big group scene and then devoted the latter half to sort of doing the individual solo But it kind of meant that we hit the ground running in a way that was very unusual for Beverly Hills, especially with that final, very ominous scene between Kyle and Mauricio. Loved it. I want to get to the last scene, but you're right. It was very unusual to start with a group scene so early on that encouraged them to immediately vocalize their problems with each other. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, well done. Yeah, it's a very good technique. One thing I thought Mm. about Eagle Woman. Yes. The shows have a real habit of poking fun at sort of spirituality. I find it very strange that the shows so often get people on to host like a healing ceremony or a sound bath or whatever, only to be like comment like Yeah. I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't really know how I feel about it because in some ways I get it and I get why it's funny, but it felt a little bit icky to me on this occasion. I think it's one thing when it's like a psychic who's clearly like a Beverly Hills mad speaks to people on the other side and is reading tea leaves and is like, oh my God, I'm going to sage the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. When it's sort of two people where it felt like the whole thing was a sort of indigenous healing ceremony that was meant and it's entirely played for comedy. And I mean the show, I don't mean the women's responses. I mean the, sh- the way the show filmed those women and set it up. I thought it must be odd to be asked to be one of those people that comes on the show to do your job and then is entirely sent yeah. up by the editing. Yeah, completely. I think they must be inured to it. I'm sure in their day-to-day life, even in LA, going into it being like, yeah. hi, I'm Eagle Woman. Yes, you heard correctly. My name is Eagle Woman. Yeah, yeah, sure. And like, as I say, and I'm not I'm not against it and I'm not, I, I wasn't like annoyed at the show. I just suddenly thought, I don't think I've ever seen spirituality represented on the show in anything other than like a comedic form. Which is weird because is why I guess the narrative I guess it doesn't undercut the narrative because the narrative is always going to be like oh we're going to poke fun at this at the beginning but then wow we actually finally you know let our egos go and it was actually a really healing Mm. moment and I'm glad of it but yeah it is always the same beats that we tread 
when it comes to that sort of yeah. thing. But yeah, funny so that, we had those initial group yeah. scenes. Oh, sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say funny. Before Eagle Woman even appeared, only Dorit would be like, so I've got a therapist coming and her name is Eagle <laughs> Woman. And like, you just know that she's going to be the whitest lady ever. And it's like, yeah, she is. <laughs> God, Dorit's so annoying. Even if it's temporarily, I appreciate that Dorit has reverted back to her first season persona of butting heads with Erica. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but it was nice while it lasted. Yeah. Love her as a brunette. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Enjoyed PK eating two bags of crisps at once. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what a charmer. PK's definitely had work done to his face mm-hmm. as well. Always sad when that happens yeah. with the husbands. It never looks right. Mauricio's joined the Veneers Club as well. And then what did we have? I mean, we had some like background stuff. Sutton bought a horse. Sutton from Sutton. Sutton has never sounded more Southern. It's getting to a point where she's sounding like a bit like Forrest Gump. And <laughs> I love that she's kind of now the go-to person for a talking head where she reveals some unverified rumor. I feel like every person is just going to be her being like, oh, geez, now. Nah. I'm not supposed to say this because I'm just a little Southern girl, but the only thing I've heard <laughs> about PK is that he was caught in a car with a woman, but you didn't hear it from me. And then she's also picked up this the mantle from LVP of transparently wanting to fuck a horse, which I'm really excited to see play out. <laughs> Can't wait. Love Sutton. Yep. Wonderful. I know you're going to disagree with me. Garcelle is a beautiful woman, but God, she looks dreadful. She needs to get a new stylist. I really don't. I don't love the red hair on I her. I didn't notice. I think she has pretty girl syndrome where she's so gorgeous that you're kind of, that's all you see. But if you just look at her outfits, it's not the best. To be honest, I didn't notice any of their looks particularly. I think mm-hmm. without Lisa Rinna rocking up in like some weird wig and neon yeah. mini dress or whatever, I sort of didn't, if anything, the only thing I noticed was that Dorit was in quite pared down sort of Target style. It was pared down for Dorit, wasn't it? Gym wear. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about um, this last scene before we go, because like it was really interesting. I'm so happy they're addressing it from the get-go, because I was convinced it would be not until the last episode, or they kind of maybe hinted it throughout the season in the most subtle of ways, but it was really refreshing for Beverly Hills for them to sort of tackle the issue head-on. I really hope that Kyle will go full Bronwyn this year, just a full-out lesbian, alcoholic, oh, crazy... Me too. I know in my heart of hearts that she won't, because it's Kyle Richards but we can but hope I don't know it it did feel like a very different attitude and response and like the way she was talking I was like whoa this whole thing of being like I'll do whatever I want to do was like we're not in Kansas anymore I'm not I don't know if this is going to go down well I as someone who doesn't have any tattoos I think they can be very addictive but like if Michael suddenly got like five tattoos I think I would be like can we talk about this is everything where's this coming Uh, from I don't yeah I think, interestingly, there's this, on Married at First Sight UK, there's an argument right near the beginning, this ridiculous thing, that this woman says to her new husband, she's saying how people often think that she's the kind of person who has an OnlyFans, and actually she's like a real nerd, and he's like, yeah, you are a nerd, and she's like, would you try and stop me if I had an OnlyFans? And he has, he says literally for me, the dream answer where he's like, well, you do whatever you want. Like, it's not my business to stop you from doing something you want. I wouldn't try and control you. And she's like, you wouldn't try and stop me having an OnlyFans. And he's like, what if you want, if you wanted one? Right. And she's like, I just can't get over that. And then like later that day, she's doing these talking heads where she's like, I can't be with him because our morals don't align. You shouldn't want the person you love to show themselves on the internet. And I was like, whoa. First of all, he didn't say, I want you to have an OnlyFans. 
That's such a baited question, because if you say to someone, would you stop me? I personally would have my hackles up so much if someone said, yes, I would try and stop you, do anything. Mm -hmm. Because my instinct would just be to be, we don't get to dictate what I do. And also, I just think he gave the dream answer and the whole thing got turned into as if he'd said, I want you to have an OnlyFans. And he was then having to go and apologize and be like, I now see what I've done wrong. I completely, obviously, I wouldn't want you to have your like have other people looking at your body as if he hadn't been like protective enough. And for me, the tattoo thing, I get that if someone was suddenly getting like covered in tattoos off camera, why you might want to have a conversation about being like, are you okay? This is not that. This is A, he didn't even know how many she had. B, they're Mm. all tiny. (laughs) Like they're like the smallest tattoos. And also it's the way he says it, where if he was like, do we need to talk? What What do you think is making you want all these tattoos? To be fair, it is different to just be like, okay, enough now, love bean. I would yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. well, if I want to get another one, I'm not saying I am getting another one, but mm-hmm. you don't get to just be like, okay, love bean, no more. <laughs> sure. Yes. No, that's fair. Like, I get it. It's like, obviously it's symptomatic of a problem, but it's not like they have this perfect relationship and Kyle has suddenly gone weird and gone rogue. There's clearly a lot of resentment there and build up of something and him on camera pushing this thing of being like, yeah, but I think that's enough now. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of amazing that rather than just pull a face or something, she really like went head to head with him. Mm -hmm. I think he asked a fair question though, when she was saying, I'm kind of done people pleasing and always thinking about other people where he was like, I don't know if yeah. he phrased it this diplomatically, but something along the lines of like, that's great and I support that, but I just want to make sure that these tattoos are coming from a place of that rather than just rebelling for the sake of rebellion. Totally. It is interesting. I can't wait to see this Morgan stuff play out because even if it's not romantic, I think it's interesting. She's like in her 20s. She's younger than us. I think in- not to like age shape you know and relationships in any form can have an age difference but i think it's interesting that she's spending so much time with this person who is significantly younger than her and i guess we really don't know anything until it until it plays out on tv i i don't know anything about it mm. so <laughs> so i literally I, I, don't know anything i assume i don't know who morgan is you've just said morgan yeah. and i'm like yeah. okay that's the the other Who's woman morgan? no you don't okay oh no. <laughs> yeah, so she's been like papped, fraternizing with this country music star, Morgan. She's covered in tattoos, oh. uh, genuinely covered in tattoos. They have the same tattoos. She has a tattoo of Kyle's initial. And I think Kyle has the same with Morgan or something like that. Kyle started dressing like her. She's like stepping out in, you know, gone are the days of the caftans, but Kyle's in like ripped jeans oh, and Bronwyn. like white vests. It's a, yeah, full Bronwyn turn. It's the most interesting Carl's ever been. Absolutely. I'm going to go Google. Mm. Mm. All right. <laughs> Shall I take us out? Oh, wait. What are we going to talk about next time? Let's do Heather Dubrow, okay. I think, because of the season she's just had and, and the way she handled it. And I think that that's quite fresh. Okay. Fresh. Fresh. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe. Shall I do it in, in like a Jenna impression? She does that like hush. Why not? Um, thank you for joining us on the Housewives Archives. Um, if you enjoyed what you heard today, I uh, would say maybe click subscribe or tell your friends about the show. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Is that good? It's like she was in the room. I loved it. Thank you. I'm off to buy an oversized pair of glasses. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.